series called Rot Theology Volume 3. And of course that song was released in 1977, very popular song, and, and it was a popular song and the, the words are really easy. I mean, who doesn't agree with that song? Who doesn't want to be wanted? Who doesn't want to be loved? Who doesn't want to, to be loving towards others? I think that's something that we all desire, and so it was a popular song in the 70s, 80s, 90s, I mean, it's, it's, it's still a popular song today, and, and it's something, it's a message that people still identify with. And as I, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, I, I, it's true whenever you first get married. For those of you who are married, you remember what it was like when you first got married and you wanted to, you know, you, you wanted to be wanted, you wanted to be needed, but then something happens, you know, for a lot of people after a period of time. You know, we just sort of get like used to each other. And, and that desire to be wanted and that desire to be needed, it, it's easy for it to begin to, to, to just sort of, you know, like fade away. And you guys remember whenever you were dating and, and, you, uh, and you first got married and you remember what it was like about everything you wanted. You opened the, the door for your, your wife every time she came to the car. And then after a few years, it seems like you're just sitting there laying on the horn saying, hurry up and get out of here. And then, and, then, and then wives, you remember when, when you used to look at your husband and thought that he was the, the, the greatest thing in the world. And, and, then, uh, and then and now you go to bed wearing flannel saying, don't ever touch me. And you know, so there's just some weird stuff that just sort of happens over time. We just sort of get used to each other. But, but that also happens spiritually. You know, that also happens in our, in our walk with God. And, and uh, after a period of time, you know, at the beginning you're excited, but then... But then you kind of get lax in, in your relationship with Jesus. And, and you sort of take for granted all the things that he's done for you. And, and that's my hope is that we will move beyond that or that we'll get out of that habit that so many of us have in our lives. Um, on, on Saturday evenings, I, after I relinquish control of the remote control... Um, I will hand it over to my wife, Emily, and, and whenever I give her the remote control, what she will do is she'll take it and almost automatically she'll go to that show, Property Brothers. I don't know if you all know that show, but you know, it's two brothers, and they, they go into homes and they renovate houses. Now, I'm not sure if she's watching the show because she likes the renovation projects or she just likes to look at the guys, but I, my guess is that it's the renovation projects. And so she'll watch those, and, and as she watches them, you know, they'll go into homes and there's you know, they'll, they'll refurbish them, there'll be like rotten beams, or maybe the foundation's a little bit messed up, and sometimes there's even like animals, you know, that like live inside of the house, and they'll go in and they'll clean it out, and, and then they'll turn around and they'll, they, you know, they'll, they'll sell it to somebody, or the, the new family will move into the home, and it's just, a, it's, a, it's a great process that they go through, and I thought, you know, for some of us, we, we need to go through a renovation process as well. That whenever we become a little bit lax in our walk with God and lax in our relationship with others, we, we need re renovation to take place in our lives so that there is a, a fire and an excitement and a love within us that affects not only our relationships with others, but also our relationship with God. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul sharing with a, a group of Christians who lived in a town called Colossae. It's, it's in, it's in modern-day Greece. And, and they were people who were, some of the people were followers of God, but over time they'd become, become lax in their commitment to Christ. And Paul was letting them know, hey, listen, there's some renovations that need to take place in your life in order to get you back on track in your walk with God and in your walk with others. 
And so that's why we're going to be looking today in Colossians chapter 3. And if you have your Bible, we're going to look there in Colossians 3 and verse number 1. And as you look there, I, I'll just share with you a little bit about the town of Colossae. It was, it was a town that, that did have a church there. The Apostle Paul planted the church there. Uh, it was not a majority Christian town by any stretch. There was a lot of people there who worshipped other gods. And, and the whole process of worshipping other gods in this day is a little bit different than what we think of in the church. Um, what they would do when they would worship other gods, they would just simply come in and they'd like they pay homage to their god. They might, you know, uh, you know, burn a little incense before the god, or they would, you know, they would bow before the god. But but their their faith, so to speak, really didn't have any impact on the way they lived. You know, they would just sort of like tip their cap to their god and then go about living like they wanted to. Well, that's what was happening to Christians as well, and, and I think that's what happened to some Christians today is that we just sort of tip our cap to God and then we go about living like we, like we want to without our faith in, in Jesus impacting the way that we actually live. And, and the Bible speaks of this in Titus 1.6. It says they profess that they know God, but in their works they deny Him. And so Paul was saying, listen, if you really have a relationship with Jesus, if you really follow Him, then He's going to have a direct impact on the way that you actually live your life, in the way that you treat others, in the way that you serve God. Now, if, if you're not seeing that in your life, then Paul said that there's some renovations that need to take place in your life to get you back on the right track. If you become lax in, in your love and in your commitment to God and to others, so there's renovation that needs to take place in your life. And then there's a few renovations that I saw uh, in our text today to help us help get us back on the right track and, and the very first step to take for renovation is, is from what I see in our text is this you, you want to make sure that you get the right cleaning materials if there's going to be renovation we, we have to be cleaned up in the right way and and that's where I what I see in the first four verses Paul wrote so if you've been raised with the Messiah seek what's above where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God and then Paul wrote, set your minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. And when the Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, I'll try to kind of explain this in, in this way. If, if we're going to get our, our lives back on track and, and renew our love with our God, then there's some cleaning that needs to take place in our lives. Uh, because a lot of us have, have some junk in our lives, have some stuff in our lives that shouldn't be there, and it needs to be sort of like flushed out. And, but if that's going to happen, we have to make sure that we are using the right cleaning materials for that to happen. Because if you don't use the right cleaning materials, you can get in trouble. Um, I, I've shared with you all before that, uh, that my, my mother is probably the, the neatest and cleanest person that I know. And when, when I was growing up, um, every Saturday, one of my chores was to bleach out our garage every Saturday. So I, I'd get this, my, I'd get a, a pitcher, I'd fill up with water, put bleach in it, then I'd pour it on, then I'd sweep out the garage. You can eat off of my mother's garage floor. It's unbelievable. I did that every, every Saturday. Now, we had rules in the house, you know, I had to make sure that I didn't bring, like, food into the living room with, with a drink. And so, of course, when mom was not there, of course, I would do that. And uh, I'd get cookies, and I'd come in there with a glass of milk. And this is like in the 70s, you know, when we had that really good carpet. You know, like the shag carpet that is awesome. It's like hair. 
And so, uh, so I, would, uh, I would take the cookies in there. And then that one time I, I spilled the milk in that shag carpet. And so I was like, man, I've got to clean this up or my mom is not going to be happy. So I just remember I ran to the kitchen. I grabbed a rag. And I, and I, you know, I, I just kind of you know, rubbed it in until it was like nice and dry. And I thought, perfect, she will never know. Well, as you all know, milk doesn't smell good after a couple of days. And so there's that sour smell that came out of the carpet. My mother, who has like, she has like the sense of smell like a dog, immediately knew something was not right. And she immediately knew, of course, that it was my fault. And so I got in trouble for that. So whenever you clean stuff, you got to clean it right. Because if you don't clean it right, then oftentimes you can make it worse than it was at the beginning. Now, my, my belief is this, that there are some of us who have, who have some sourness that's in our lives because we've not gotten rid of it like we should have. That there's some things in our lives that, that we do or that we hang on to that instead of having Jesus come in and remove those things from our lives, that we, we just sort of hang on to them, but we try to, we try to hide it underneath the surface. And so the question is, well, how do, how do I actually get rid of of all that grime and buildup that's in my in my life. Well, we we turn to Scripture and we see that what Scripture says is that we turn our eyes and our lives towards Jesus and we follow Him. In verse number one, Paul starts off by saying, "So if you have been raised with the Messiah, so he's saying if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've been raised with Him, and this is in reference to Jesus being resurrected from the dead." Now, if you follow Jesus, here's, what's ha- here's what happens in our lives. When we follow Jesus, we die to our old way of life. We die to it. Now, the good news is the Bible says that we don't just die, but that Jesus raises us up into a new life. And so whenever we follow Jesus and we, we die to our old way of life and we are raised into a new life, it means that we're going to have new desires. We're going to have new wants. We're going to want to live in a different way. But to do that, it's a daily process. So following Jesus, it's a daily process. It's not like I become a Christian and I've got it now. You know, I'm on cruise control and now life is easy. It is a daily process. Verse 2 tells us this. It says you are to set your minds on what is above. It's speaking of setting your mind. You have to do it daily. Otherwise, what can happen is you can find yourself drifting away. That word set, it means to continuously seek something out with a desire to possess it. Now, what are we seeking out? Well, if, if we follow Jesus, we are seeking out to become more and more like Jesus. And we desire to do that. We seek after that every day. Well, how do I do that? You know, how do I begin that process? Well, you, you have to start off with making sure that you have the right cleaning materials, for one. Well, what's, what's, where's a good place to get those cleaning materials? Here's, here's the great, great help, Scripture. God has given us Scripture that we are to use as a tool in order to give us direction and guidance in life. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, if we don't use the Bible as a guide, as the cleaning material for our lives, then then what happens is there's going to be like this grime buildup that occurs in our lives. And it's going to interfere in our relationship and in our communication line with God. 
And so sometimes we just simply need a reminder. We need a reminder from God's Word about what is good and what is not, about how we are to live and how we're not to live. Reminders are great things. Uh, I read a, a story about a museum that was having trouble with people who'd come into the museum and they had this you know, priceless furniture in the museum. So people were always touching it. And they wanted to sit in it and touch it. And it was driving the museum director crazy. And so he put up a sign, do not touch the furniture. Because it didn't matter. So people kept coming and they kept touching it. And so he's trying to figure out how do we correct this problem. And so one of his assistants came up with a good idea. And in this museum they put up signs by the furniture that said, caution, wash hands after touching the furniture. Said so after he put the sign up, so within two days, said nobody was touching the furniture again. Now, now I think sometimes that's what happens with us with, with Scripture. We just simply need to be reminded of what is good and what is not. We need to be reminded of what honors God and what doesn't honor God. So if there's going to be renovation in our lives, it, it begins with us using the right cleaning materials. And, and, and we find how to live, how to honor God in this book right here. Scripture. So that's why we want to pay attention to what Scripture has to say. But, but here's the, the second step to take for renovation. And that is, whenever you're going to renovate, then you have to make sure that you, you get the junk out of your life. You sweep it out of your life. And I'm going to read to you from verses 5 through 10. Paul wrote, Therefore, put to death whatever in you is worldly. Like what? Well, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now you must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you put off the old man with his practices, and have put on the new man who is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator." Now, obviously, once you, you get the right cleaning materials, you want to begin to apply them. You want to begin to apply them in the right places. And Paul said the, the only one who has the ability to purify us from the grime of this world, it is only Jesus. Only Jesus is the one who can, who can clean up your life. And he's the only one who can remove this junk out of our lives. Now, so what kind of junk do we have in our lives that needs to be removed? Well, fortunately, Paul mentions some stuff. He gets real specific about it. He says, this is stuff you need to get rid of in your life. And this includes all of us here. He says, sex, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. That's a pretty good list. I mean, I go through that list, and I, I, see, a, I see a couple of them that Emily really needs to work on. Now, I need to see stuff that I need to work on, right? And so I'm like, okay, that's, a, that's a good list right there. I mean, it's easy stuff for me to figure out. And, and, and Paul says, now, you don't sweep, if you have that stuff in your life, you don't sweep it under the rug. You know, you don't, you don't hide it and say, well, you know, I mean, everybody else does it. You know, people are people. Boys will be boys. You know, we all make mistakes. And, and, and that's all that we have to do. Paul doesn't say, he doesn't say, he doesn't say hide it. He doesn't say sweep it under the rug. Paul says something very interesting. He says, if you have these things in your life, he said, you put them to death. Isn't that interesting? He said, if you have if, all this stuff that I'm mentioning right here, he says, I want you to kill it. Now, why would he say something like that? Well, because, guys, if we don't kill it, then it still lives within us, and it still will crop up in our lives over and over again until it's dealt with finally. 
You, you have to completely eliminate it. And that's what, that's what Paul was telling us. Paul says, listen, there's basically two kinds of sins. He said there's a sin of the body and sin of the mouth. And he says, and those things that are sin of the body and sin of the mouth, he says, you get rid of those things. Why? Because you, you can't, God, we can't play with sin. I can't play with sin. If, if I play with sin, I'm eventually going to go full-fledged after it. You know, I can't just sit there and say, well, I'm not going to have an affair. I'm not going to cheat on my wife, but I am going to play with pornography a little bit. Let me tell you, you can't do that. Because sin will raise up its ugly head, and it becomes a window to where it will drag you down. So in verse number 9, Paul wrote that when we become followers of, of Jesus, he says, you put on a new self. He says what God does is when you follow Jesus, God will give you a new wardrobe to wear. Now you say, well, what's wrong with the wardrobe I got now? It's not any good. You know, who we are on our own, it's not, it, 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 y'all, it doesn't, it's just not good. It doesn't match up to what God desires for us. Let me read to you what the Bible says about each of us on our own. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have together become worthless, and there is no one who does good, not even one. Okay, so our wardrobe on our own, not good. You might say, well, mine looks better than that guy's. Well, according to God, it says there is no one who does good, not even one. So whenever we submit ourselves to Jesus and we follow him, Jesus says, I'm going to eliminate, remove your old way of life, and I'm going to give you a new way of life. So it wouldn't make any sense for us, once we become followers of Jesus, to want to hang on to our old way of life. Be like saying, you know, I, I got these new clothes, but man, I really like my old dirty ones better. You know, when, when I go back to you know, the Property Brothers, I, I have watched that show with Emily. I have never seen this. I have never seen on the Property Brothers when a client comes in when the house has been fixed and they walked in and they said, gosh, I, miss, I really wish we had that rotten bean back. Yeah, they, they never, have y'all, they, they never walk in and go, why did you get rid of all the, the mice? Let them live with us. I mean, if somebody did that, you would say there's something wrong with them. They're crazy. Okay, well, think about believers. As believers, if we say, Lord, I, I like this dirty wardrobe. I want to put it back on. It doesn't make any sense. But that's what sin does. That's why you have to kill it. Because sin makes you do nonsensical things. That's why Paul says, don't mess with sin. So you need a renovation in your life. And if renovation is going to come, you have to use the right cleaning materials. But not only that, if it's going to happen, if renovation is going to come, you have to sweep out the junk. You have to get rid of it. You put it to death. And this is the last one. For renovation to happen, it, it comes down to this. You, you invite Jesus into your life. You just invite Jesus into your life. Now, now look with me in verse number 11. And Paul's speaking. He says, here, he's talking about the church. Here, the church, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay, now that verse has had huge implications for the church in Colossae. And, and here's why. Because in Colossae, in the church, in the community, just like today, there were people who just simply did not get along with one another. You know, there were socioeconomic divisions, there were racial divisions, there was all these different things that were happening. But Paul said, listen, when you become a follower of Jesus, he said all those divisions, all those barriers... They come crashing down. 
And, and that is significant, and it's significant for this reason. Guys, our value and our worth is not found in how much money we have, who we're related to, where we're from, any of those things. If you are a follower of Jesus, your value, one place, one place only, it's in, it's in Jesus. You see, when, when we follow Jesus, then Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. That is where our value comes from. And people of, of Christ, people of the church should know this better than anybody. We are not better than others because we all have the potential to know Jesus. Galatians 3.28 says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. As, as believers, we should never see ourselves as being better than others. Now, I'm not saying that, that people aren't gifted differently. I'm not, you know, I'm not a communist up here saying that we are all equal and that we are all have to have equal things. We're all gifted equally. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that our value is equal because Jesus is the one who gives people value. And whenever Jesus gives you value and you understand that, then you begin to see things differently in life. And what you value will be different. Um, I, I, just, I read this story just a couple of weeks ago. It was about a guy named, I think his name's Ruben Gonzalez. He's playing in a pro racquetball tournament. A, a huge spectator sport, I'm sure. Uh, but in the, it was a championship match he was playing in. I just thought it was an interesting story because he, he, he was match point and uh, he hit a kill shot right at the front of the wall and, and the referee called it good and, and he won. But he turned around and he had saw, when, he, when he hit the ball, he saw it skip on the floor. And so that means it didn't count, and it shouldn't have counted. And so he recognized it, and he, he walked over to the referee, he said, the ball skipped. And because he made that admission, he lost the match. And you know, people thought he was crazy. Like, why, would, why would you tell on yourself? I mean, the referee even agreed. I mean, you, you had the championship in the bag, and, and his response was interesting. He said, I can win another racquetball match. He said, but I can't win back my integrity. And, it's, and that's it's just interesting. You see, whenever, whenever you follow Jesus, then, then what you value is different than what the rest of the world will value. And, and, and here's what I have discovered, what I've watched. I, I've seen a lot of people and what they value. And I've seen people who sacrifice their families for career advancement. Um, I've seen people who've sacrificed teaching their children about the things of God. And instead, they've chosen to teach them about the things of the world. And then I, and here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, guys, you know what? There's going to be a day when you and me, we are going to stand before God and we're going to be held accountable for the decisions that we make and how we choose to live life. You see, when, when Jesus is our leader, he helps us refocus our lives. He changes what our priorities are. But, but here's, what's, here's what's important. He helps us see what's important. So do, we, do you know what's truly important? Now do you, are you willing to take up the blinders that you have on in this life and remove them? Because I, I really believe this. I believe that a lot, of, a lot of us, and myself included, that we spend a lot of time chasing after things in this life that in the big picture will not amount to a hill of beans. In the big picture. So what's the big picture? Now let me tell you something. The big picture is this. Do you know Jesus or not? Uh, that, that's, that is what counts in life. Are you living for Jesus or not? 
because remember that the things of this world, he said, I'm living for the things of this world. I'm living for more. I'm living for titles. I'm living for prestige. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with those things in and of themselves. But if that is what you are living for, here's a reminder, those things are temporary. They do not last. Make it a little bit more depressing. When you die, how long do you think you're going to be remembered for? From the people around you. I figure a couple generations maybe. I mean, when you think about it, unless you're an Ancestry.com geek, how many of y'all know who your great-grandparents are or great-great-grandparents are? What do you know about them? Not a whole lot. Now, I'm grateful for them because I'm here. I really don't know who they are. How long do you think you're going to be, how long do you think people will remember you? But let me tell you something about this. You follow Jesus, you are his forever. You follow Jesus, you have eternal life. You tell your children about Jesus, you will impact and change their lives for an eternity. You live for Jesus, and your kids watch you, it impacts their lives. You, the prayers you pray right now, the way that you live right now, the God that you follow now, you faithfully follow him, you can be like a bondage breaker for your family so that they have a future, whereas in the past there was no future. See, whenever you follow Jesus, you value different things. And some of you are followers of Christ. Maybe over time, like I have so many times, I've become lax and lazy in my walk with God. And that desire to, to be wanted, to love, to serve God has just sort of dissipated. And I need renovation. How's it happen? Well, you get right cleaning materials to sweep out the junk and you make sure Jesus is in your life. So do you need renovation? And I, I believe that probably some of us do need renovation. We need a new start. We need God to clean out the sin in our lives. We need to die to that sin and say, Jesus, I'll follow you. Drawing closer by grace and all.